three, two. What's up, Melanated family? This is your boy Harrison, man, bringing you a brand new episode of my show, the Melanated Convo Podcast. I'd like to welcome everybody to a brand new episode. This is a special show because typically on my podcast, I'm going to talk about black businesses. I'm going to hit you with a few news stories. I'm going to wrap it on up with a particular topic about our community or something going on with our family or our children. But today, I have a special guest in the building with me, family. I have my brother Dwight Taylor Sr., who is a motivational speaker, educational consultant, a student success coach. I've been corresponding with this brother for a while. We, we've been able to work together on a few things. He's a, 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 a great manifester of his destiny, and it was important for me to bring him show I do interviews here and there, but I'm going to do more of them. And I just want to bring on brothers and sisters who can motivate you, who can inspire you. Look, man, we got COVID going on. We got the, <laughs> the White House is a mess. You know what I mean? So it's important that we stay grounded mentally and have a clear perspective of what we need to do. My platform is typically about black folks and dealing with our issues and dealing with fatherhood. But this brother touches everybody, which we all need to get to a point. You know what I mean? We're not starting organizations to shut people out. So whoever needs help, whoever needs motivation, whoever needs inspiration, we should be there to give it to them. So I want to introduce everybody to my brother, Dwight Taylor Sr. Tell us a little bit about yourself, brother. Before I even do that, brother, I'm just grateful to be on. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not even saying that because the cameras is on. I'm, I'm grateful because from the first time that we actually got a chance to just go back and forth on Instagram and then got a chance to actually meet each other and then work with each other. Uh, I've been inspired. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I truly have been inspired and I'm gonna keep it solid. I don't usually find too much outside inspiration. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, like I, that's just not the way I've been wired. I usually have to go internally to find inspiration, but I've been, I've been inspired by the work that you do. I've been passion that you have for the work that you do and then on top of that just the effort that you put into the work that you do you dig what i'm saying so i just want to say that out the gate um a little bit about me i'm dwight taylor senior husband of one wife you know what i'm saying uh father of three of the most phenomenal amazing kids on the planet and phenomenal amazing just means phenomenal and amazing put together uh my mm -hmm. oldest son dwight jr is 18 just graduated from high school this this past june my youngest son is a senior in high school about to be 18 in February and my beautiful baby girl, my princess, the joy of my life. She's uh, 10 years old in the fifth grade. And um, man, I'm a family man. That's what it comes down to. You know what I mean? Like I can tell you all of my accolades, all the accomplishment, all my failures. But the, the main and most important thing about me is that I'm striving to be the greatest husband that I can be for my wife and the greatest father, you know, that I can be for my kids. And I want to just by giving a little context, my wife and I got married in 2008. Hmm. We got separated in 2013. We got divorced in 2014. Mm. I asked her to remarry me in 2016. So we're on round right now, right? <laughs> so, so I share that to say somebody might be out there right now. A father might be out there. A man might be out there who, who is either dealing with a relationship or trying to think about if they want to get married or in the midst of marriage or maybe on the brink of divorce. Like, holler at me. I, I know the complexities of marriage. I know the complexities of blended family. Uh, I just know, you know, I've been blessed to be in a situation where I know the complexities of life. And so uh, mm -hmm. that's what I want to share with the world with my time that I'm here. Along with that, um, I'm the oldest of seven. You know, so so mm. I'm, I'm the big brother and 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 I, I take pride in that. You know what I mean? Like I, I take pride in ownership and and I accept that responsibility to pour into um my siblings. And one of the things that that I that I believe is that 
we should always be honoring those who came before us at the same time, empowering those who come behind us. And so although I'm the oldest of my siblings, I'm, I'm like the youngest of this generation above me. And so mm. um, I always want to shout out my grandparents, pops, grands, and my, and my grandmother, Gam, like they are the ones who raised me along with my aunties, uncles, and the village that we all know about, right? Like I literally had that village to help me become the man that, that is before you today. Um, my mother and father, they were 17 and 18 when they had me. And fortunately, they had great teammates in my grandparents to help them, you know, when they were off being teenagers. You dig what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So, mm -hmm. uh, and so now, although they, they may have not have been there as often as I wanted them to be, um, when they were there, they were there. But now, me, me, my mom and dad, we locked in. You know what I'm saying? They are probably... My grandparents would argue, but they probably the greatest grandparents on earth. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm big on family. Um, I'm big on empowering people, educating people, inspiring people. And so, you know, I, I guarantee that in, in the midst of this interview, we'll dig some more into it. But if I couldn't say anything and this thing cut off and all you knew about me was that, that's what I want you to know. I love my family and, and I'm here to bring that same love to other people. That's that's what's up, man. Us getting back to a. Uh place mentally especially as black men where we put our family in the structure of our family right because we can say yeah. family and talk all this talk but in your family where you have a woman in the house with the woman kids in the house we sometimes we get so used to the dysfunctional patterns of our community Facts. that we forget just to simplify it. you know what i mean i have five children my four older kids they went through the uh 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 visitation child support environment that's how they were raised you know what i mean my youngest son has lived with me his entire life me and his mom and the differences in these children for bad right or wrong indifferent the differences are amazing the mm -hmm. the level of confidence he has the the yeah. how he views the world me being able to talk to him every day driving him to school every day and in my mind i'm thinking this was simple, man. I should have simplified this thing a long time ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, I, I, I feel you. And, and what do people say? Like hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Like all can, day. We can always connect the dots backwards. But the beautiful thing is that we do have an opportunity to connect as many dots as we can looking forward with the opportunity that presents itself every day. You being a father to to your kids and me being a father to mine. Uh, we still have that opportunity to do what we can with what we can while we can. So mm -hmm. get that thing right. Yeah. So I want to dig into it. The first question I have for you. So I want to get into how you became like the educational consultant and the student success coach, like looking at your track record, uh, uh, record, brother, and what you've been able to do and how you speak to people. It's like beyond motivational. But take me back a little bit. What were you doing before this, bro? Definitely. So. I literally have been doing what I do now since I was about 19 years old, Damn. right? And, and I wasn't doing it professionally. I was just doing it because it was instilled in me from my grandparents. Like everything that I do, everything that people see me do comes directly from my grandparents, then my parents, then my aunties, my uncles, my cousins. Like all of us are in education in some shape, form, or fashion. Mm. Georgia, I got auntie in a uh, in Fairfield, I got my grandparents in Georgia as well. Like all of us are educators. My little sister, one of my little sisters, she's an educator. She, she's a teacher in a school. So we're all, you know, with a solid educational background. We may not like the school system, but we love education, right? Like mm. we're big on educating people to become their best self. And so I've always been in the environment of 
education, inspiration, empowerment. And so uh, when I was 19, you know, I, I was a sophomore in college. I went to Fresno State University, ran track at Fresno State. And due to the fact that I loved connecting with people and I had an opportunity as a track athlete to go give back. That's what it was. I was going to a YMCA to give back. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they, they invited me. I gave a little talk gave a little spiel and the people there were blown away. They were like, wait a minute, you're 19 years old, you're running track, you're from Richmond, California, you're a young black man and you're able to articulate your thoughts, your ideas, your feelings, your emotions in such a crazy way. Have you ever thought about like doing this on a professional level? And me, I was like, nah, I'm just sharing my story. I'm just sharing where I am. But that was the moment where it was like, whoa, I think I want to continue to use my gift of communication to educate and uplift people, right? So. So in that moment, I had a, I had an idea of how I wanted to move forward. At that time, I was pushing to be a business major. Fast forward the next year, I have my youngest son while I'm in college and I had to make a decision. Like, was I going to leave and, and try to just be a father? Was I going to stay in school and try to tough this thing out? And I made the decision to change my major to child development. Right. Mm -hmm. So that and here's the only reason I did it at that time. Which is, which is a blessing. I changed my degree to child development because I was like, if I'm going to be in school anyway and I got a brand new baby, I might as well learn so I can apply right away. Like I'm big on information plus application equals transformation. That's what I believe. So if I'm going to get the information anyway, you're going to make me come to class at 830 in the morning, then I'm going to go to something that I can like easily apply. So I switched my degree to child development, start applying to things that I was learning and, and then uh, graduated on time took 25 to 24 units for the last four semesters to make sure I graduated on time. And right when I got done, I was like, I'm about to be a teacher. Mm. I'm gonna be a teacher, right? Because I, I had some practice in, in some of the labs that we had. And uh, fast forward, I ended up teaching at an elementary school. I ended up moving back to Richmond, California a year after um, a year after I graduated. I worked, I, I helped my boy start a group home in Fresno. We did that for about a year. Moved back to Richmond, said, I'm going to start a nonprofit organization. In the midst of that, I was like, I need a job. So let me go work for a school. I started teaching preschoolers. I did that for about a year and was like, this ain't it. Hmm. I love educating. I don't like the school system, though. I knew then that I didn't like how the school system was set up. And many people, you know this, many people say the school system is broken. I say it, it works how it's supposed to work. Yeah, it's yeah. It's working how it was meant to work. It just don't work for us. You know yeah, so, um, yeah. So I knew that as a as a young man, 22, 23 years old, I knew that I didn't like it. And my grandmother was like, you know that you can still be an educator without being in the in the system of school that that you don't uh, necessarily like. And, and she boom, light bulb came on. So in that moment, I was like, all right, well, how do I do this? I start putting plans together to go. I want to speak to schools. I want to speak to, to basketball teams. I want to speak to the young boys and young women that I see on a daily basis right here in Richmond. Start connecting with parents. And I was like, hey, if you know any schools that would love to come have me just share, like, let me know. Snowball effects start happening. A few years later, I said, you know what? This is actually going to be my profession. I'm about mm. to be speaking. I'm about to be consulting for, for districts, for teachers, uh, for parents, for students. And so that's where the educational consulting piece came in all the way back then. Um, I've just been doing it, you know, now for so long that not only am I able to be a consultant for parents or for teachers, I'm able to be a consultant for, for school districts all over California and all over the country. So um, when I consult, I consult from a high level mainly. And, and I'm more so on the social emotional learning side of things. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm talking about um, 
um, social responsibility, self-awareness, self-management, relationship skills, uh, decision-making. I'm talking about how do we connect our students from that level, you know, in a place where that connects with the educational piece. Cause we, yeah, we talk about GPA, but what about their self-awareness average? What about them learning about their attitude, their, their motivations, uh, their organization skills, their leadership skills, like all these things that we actually need as adults, mm-hmm. we need to be able to connect those dots. And so that's how I work with uh, schools as an educational consultant. I coach students. That's my student success coach. And I'm a motivational speaker. I'm a coach. I got clients. That's where it comes in with the effective communicator and public speaker. But Long story short, I encourage greatness with empowering statements on a daily basis, period. Mm, that that's what's up right there. And that's that empowering, man, that you took. And that was I was trying to wrap my mind around that. Like I understand a lot of us come from environments that don't breed um this type of personality, right? Yeah. We come from environments that that breed drug dealing, that breed negative activity. So every time I see a brother who still can speak the lingo of the people in our neighborhood, but have the passion for something different, right? And and that's another reason why I wanted you on the show, because I want other young kids to say, I can be an educational consultant. Right. I can be a student. Because for a white kid, for an Asian kid, for a black, to see you in that school, looking how you look, presenting yourself, that that makes all of us look good. You know what I mean? That's a team win. And, and, the, and the crazy thing is, even though I've been passionate about this, like I was the knucklehead who had to I, I had to figure it out on my own. Right. Mm. Like I had all the guidance in the world for my grandparents. I always shout them out as, as often as I can. But like they told me the right thing. But here's the thing. Knowing what knowing the right thing to do and actually doing it. Two different things. I knew what I was supposed to do. I'm, I'm the knucklehead like you. I got to bump my head myself. And so I went, down, I went down the wrong path for years. Here, the crazy thing is it never took me so far where I didn't have an opportunity to still empower young people. Right. So I'm in the daytime. If you catch me between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., I'm Mr. Educator. I'm 24, 23 years old. But about 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning, I'm somebody totally different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so 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 that I learned a lot about myself, but but what I do like to share with, with young people or just adults is that everything that we go through in life is beneficial for our growth if we look at it that way. So even me being what some would consider two-faced at one time, because I'm doing one thing and then doing another, I learned so much about myself, but then I also learned how to communicate with people who may be in that same space. And many of us, we wear different masks every single day. And so I said, you know what? Even though I looked at that as a, as a detriment at one time, I actually see it as beneficial because now I'm able to relate to everyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know. that was Yep, uh, that was definitely a part of your journey. Now, okay. dealing with youth in all these different school systems, I see sometimes you go to like the the prison systems yep. or where the, uh, uh, where the young prisoners are or whatever um talk to me about some of the biggest problems you kind of see our youth dealing with definitely so uh one of one of the biggest ones is lack of self-awareness period and and i say that for youth but i say that for people in general Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. And, and so if if you know like i know adults who still struggle with it imagine A 12, 13, 14 year old whose brain is not even cognitively developed yet, 
they're dealing with it on a whole nother level, right? And so self-awareness is what it is because here's what I believe. The person who knows him or herself the quickest wins the fastest. Why? Great question. Because once you know yourself, you have the opportunity and potential to start making the best decision and the healthiest decision for yourself. But when you don't know you, you just go on whichever the way the wind blows you. And so one of the greatest things that I see, especially when I go to like right here on Keeper, uh, Sac County Juvenile Hall, these young kings and queens have the greatest potential inside of them, but they don't even know who they are. Right. So they put themselves in situations unintentionally to be used by people who see their value, even though they don't see it. Mm-hmm. But when you become self-aware and you know who you are, you don't allow people to use you for their benefit. Right now, if we want to partner, if we want to collaborate, phenomenal, but you're not just going to use me and abuse me. And so that's the biggest thing that I see with with students from school. I don't care if you go to an affluent school in Roseville or Rockland, all the way to Juvenile Hall, all the way to Hiram Johnson. The self-awareness piece is humongous because in that self-awareness piece, you get self-esteem, self-confidence. Right. And the lack thereof of those things. And all of those things are foundational to you either being successful, you staying stagnant. Or you reverting back to what you know, right? And so we can talk about every other thing. We can talk about social media. We can talk about peer pressure. But all of those things start with if you know you and and you actually want to see better for yourself, you're going to be able to make decisions that your future you can actually say thank you for, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want my tomorrow me to say thank you to today's me for getting on here with you, right? (laughs) But I want to encourage these young people that, You want, if today is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you want the next day you to say, thank you for the healthy decisions that you made to put me in a position to excel today. And so uh, I'll say self-awareness for some of the parents or whoever's listening, you might be struggling with the, if if you, you know, the social media, right? One of the things that, that, that I love, I got three phenomenal kids and I'm the oldest. My, my little sister's 15 years old, right? My youngest sister's 15. She's in high school. So she's on social too. One of the things that I share with parents all the time is that to me, this is one man's opinion. It's not necessarily the social media or the content that is harming our kids. It's actually them not having people around them who are healthy enough to help them navigate through the context of that content, right? Mm. Like my, my, my daughter, she's 10 years old. She, she's like, dad, can I get on TikTok? Part of me is like, no, nah, because it's wild on TikTok. The other part of me is like, you know what? I got time. Let's sit down and let's look at this TikTok together and let's have conversations. And let me ask you, do you think that's healthy for you to become the very best you that you were made to be? Talk to me about it. If not, talk to me about it. But that's where that's where we are actually lacking. Just like, you know, some people like guns. You shouldn't have. Well, it's not that the gun is the problem. It's the person who's actually handling the gun. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's if I tell my son at four years old, he can use this razor. Well, that's not smart of me to tell him to use this razor at four because he hasn't been taught and equipped and capable. But at 17, if I've taught him, go ahead, my man, at 13, if I've taught him. And so I think it's all about parents, adults, those who care about young people, helping them have context to the content that they're being inundated with all day long. And so uh, that's for those who might even be thinking like, well, why is he not talking about social media? There you go. Definitely, definitely. Now, something else I want to ask you because your aura, whenever I see you speak, I'm always checking you out. What you do is always popping up and I'm kind of the same way. You're an extremely positive brother. Like I I can imagine when things go wrong in your life, you take that positive spin. That's right. what I do. That's right. how I keep moving forward. My parents, 
passing away and all the things I've been through, I've learned how to take that little nugget of positive energy and use that to build an entire foundation, right? Yeah. So talk to me about the importance of parents, children remaining positive through their ups and downs. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up, right? So I'm going to do a little plug in my book. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that encourage greatness, the student edition. Make sure you go get it for your student. But um, in my book, I talk about turn your obstacles to opportunities. I mean, we've all heard that saying. But the reality is, if we can take the perspective and, and here's what I believe. Perspective drives performance. Right. Which means how you view what you do will always determine and affect how you do what you do. Right. Mm. So if you look at a situation as an obstacle, then you are going to proceed in that manner. And most of the times when we look at things as obstacles, we look at those obstacles as being bigger than us, which makes us more inferior. But if I look at this this obstacle and flip it to an opportunity, more so an opportunity to grow, then I'm looking at it with a whole new lens and a whole new perspective. And I'm like, you know what? This is actually an opportunity for me to become better than I was if I didn't tackle this obstacle. So for me, I'm always in that mindset for that reason, too. Gratitude is humongous for me. My grandfather mm -hmm. said gratitude is the greatest attitude. Again, right before we got on, we was talking about being grateful. Right. And so I'm always standing in a place of gratitude and always understanding that it could be a lot worse for me. The reality is it's a lot worse for other people. There's people on my worst day that wish that they were in my place on my worst day. Like my worst day is their best day. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so that gives me a different lens to see positivity through. And, and for the parents, here's what I want to say. Parents, teachers, we have to be mindful of our aura. We have to be mindful of our energy because our young people are constantly watching. You know this as a parent. Most of our kids, they're not really listening to what we're saying as much as they're watching what we're doing. We do. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? And so if, if if I'm in a rut all the time, if I'm down, if I'm negative, they just go, you know, by osmosis and by proximity, that's how they're going to end up becoming. And so if yeah. we want to be intentional, and I believe if you're not intentional, you're irresponsible. Like it, it, it ain't no gray area for me. Like you're going to be intentional with your time or you're going to be irresponsible. You're going to be intentional with your actions or you're irresponsible. You're going to be intentional about what you show your kids or you're going to be irresponsible. And so we want to be intentional with every interaction that we have so it can be impactful we have to be mindful of our aura. So I say be grateful, have a perspective that, that is one of growth, right? And always understand it could be a lot worse for me. So let Definitely. me find gratitude in this moment. Definitely. Now, speaking of your book, Domino Your Day, 30 Empowering Statements That Encourage Greatness. Talk to me. And I understand this kind of encapsulates a lot of what you do. Okay. But talk to everybody about the book and the motivation behind the book. Yeah. So um, the motivation. So. The first book was Dominate Your Day, 100 Empowering Statements That Encourage Greatness, which came out in two, 2017. My follow-up was the Amazon number one bestseller, the one for the students. But the motivation for me to even write was my Aunt Angelique. She passed in February 2016. She was supposed to be the writer and the author in our family. Like, mm. she hands down was a monster, right? And, and, and one of our goals, and I'm giving you a little sneak peek that I haven't shared with anybody, one of our goals is to put all of her writings together and at some point, Put it out to the world. Right? She would always encourage me to share my truth. Always. She said, Dwight, write it down, put it in a song, do whatever you got to do, but share your truth because at the end of the day, it's your truth and people need to hear it. Um, she would always encourage me to be authentically me, unapologetically me. And so when she passed, I was like, whoa, what can I do to honor my auntie? And immediately I was like, she wanted to write. I'm going to write. And here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to dedicate this book. Even if this is my first and only book, I'm going to dedicate this book for her. So she was literally the inspiration behind me doing that. Um, the information in the book is at the simplest form is all the encouragement that I've been giving to people for the last 19 years. People mm -hmm. have been come, like I'll, I'll do speaking engagements or I'll do interviews on radio or TV. And people say, where can I find what you just said? But mm -hmm. for all those years, I had nowhere to send them. So now I'm like, oh, you want to find it? Let me put it all in the book. Uh, and then let me, I'm a businessman. Let me get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You might as well. You know, and, and, and so now you don't have to, like, if you ask me, I don't have to spend a whole lot of time. I just say, hey, check out the book, right? Mm -hmm. Check out the book. Check out uh, statement number 34, statement number one, perfect effort. You can tap in there. So that's the motivation behind the book. The book is really a book on self-awareness. I'm big on self-awareness. I'm big on empathy and I'm big on gratitude. So that's what's packed into both of these books. Definitely, definitely. Now, another thing that I've seen, I think when I first started catching wind of what you do, yeah. um, you had the organization um, Real Manhood 101. Talk to everybody about that and, and, and what do you actually do with that? Definitely. So Real Manhood 101 is an organization um, that I've had for a while. I end up when I moved out to Sacramento in 2014, I was looking for an opportunity to implement this information uh, to all these middle schools and elementary schools. Right. One of the things that I know as an educator is that that seventh and eighth grade year, the, our students are extremely impressionable. They're trying to find their way. Right. Am I cool or am I not cool? Who says that I'm cool and who says that I'm not? And so mm -hmm. I said I could easily start with the high schoolers, but let me start with these ones that are literally searching. Right. They just got out of elementary school and now they're stepping into a new realm where they're really trying to figure out who they are internally. So I said for these young men, let me connect with them um, on a level of awareness. And so what I started doing was going to middle schools and elementary schools and just introducing a framework. And so real manhood 101, the real is a framework and the R stands for reject passivity. That just means stop being passive, period. Right. Be intentional about every moment, second, minute, hour of every day, every week, every month, every year for the rest of your life. Be intentional. I share with young men. Easy example. If you see something on the ground, even though you didn't drop it, go ahead and pick it up. Don't be passive about it. Be intentional. Throw that thing away, because at the end of the day, our goal should be to leave people, places and things better than we found them. Right. Sure. So it's reject passivity. The E is expect a greater reward, saying that I'm going to show up to every situation expecting greatness out of this reward. I mean, out of this out of this moment, even if I can't control the person on the other end of this interaction, I can always control how I show up. Right. So we're going to expect greatness in everything. The A is accept responsibility. That's very simple. Stop blaming people. Stop playing, playing the blame game and trying to put their responsibility on somebody else. Many things are to be delegated, but some things you got to own. Right. And the L in real is lead courageously. And what I share all the time is even if you don't feel like you're leading anybody else, the most important person you can lead every single day is yourself. Right. So that's the real in real manhood. And from me doing stuff in schools, I decided that I'm going to make it bigger. I'm going to invite all these schools to one event one time a year. And so I started doing stuff at Sac State um, in 2016, 17, 18, 19. Obviously, pandemic hit. We couldn't do anything at Sac State, but we pivoted. Right. We adjusted. We, we talked about that earlier. We were adaptable. And so we took Real Manhood one on one Youth Leadership Summit and put it online. So if anybody wants to, you know, find two hours that they can just, you know, connect with their young kings or even men, men are going on there and getting, you know, getting stuff. Just go to YouTube.com forward slash Real Manhood one on one. Definitely. Definitely. Now, working with our youth just from your um, 
from your perspective, working with our youth, being in these schools, and you have a great perspective because being a guy that's probably from a neighborhood like I'm from, right. but going to Roseville and going to these other environments where the kids don't look like us, the right. social economic standing of their houses are different. Yeah. You know what I mean? So with looking at all of that, what have been like some of the biggest challenges you've had with just trying to get your message across? So I got two answers, right? But I'm gonna give the most authentic answer. I don't have challenges, <laughs> right? Like me, you're asking me a personal question. Yes. I personally don't have challenges when connecting with young people. I believe mm. in one, a gift that I've just been given. Um, I, I believe I inherited what my my grandfather uh, at 19 years old. He moved from he, he he moved from out of the state to San Francisco. My grandfather started working at the San Francisco Juvenile Hall at 19 years old. My grandfather worked there for 30 years as a chef. My mm. grandfather only worked there and remained there as a chef because he wanted to connect with the young people in there. So he knew that food was a vehicle to spark connection. I believe mm. that I was able to receive, I was the recipient of the work that he put in and the and his ability to connect. So not only is it a gift, I believe I inherited it. So when it comes to connecting with people, um, at the at the most humble, I feel like I'm the person to connect with young people because mm. I've been through enough experience-wise, and I'm an expert enough from my knowledge and then what I apply to be able to connect. I'm, I'm gonna tell you a, a, a quick scenario. I was connecting with I was. Uh, talking to a young man, maybe about three years ago, my man was not mad at me. He was mad at a teacher. So he's in my face, very close to me, cussing, cussing, cussing me out because I'm he thinking I'm on the um, I'm on their side. He cussing mm -hmm. the teacher out. But like, I mean, my man spitting and everything. Right. And people are like, what is Dwight going to do? Because I mean, he he calling me every name in the book, my man. And I'm like, bro, in my mind, I'm like, you don't know the old me. <laughs> like you 18 in the school i'll go to jail you know what I'm saying? But, but in that moment i was like you know what it's less about me right now like my man is dealing with something internally so here's what i did i said i'm gonna find a way to change this situation he cussing cussing yelling spitting all that i said hey real quick i'm gonna let you finish what you gotta say but i want to say this i don't know what kind of mouthwash or toothpaste you use but your breath is amazing man your breath is amazing. So go ahead and do what you do. My man did exactly what you did. He started smirking and started laughing. That was the that was the thing that that allowed us to now jump in a dialogue. So for me, I feel like I've been blessed with creativity, my man, to be able to connect. So that's me. The other piece is if there's anybody out there who's listening and struggling, another plug, I want to push you to my TEDx talk. Just type Dwight mm. Taylor Senior TEDx and I, and I break down the four E's to help people succeed, right? But more so youth succeed. And that's engage. We got to engage with them at their level. We got to empathize with them. That means we recognize their emotional feelings, imagine ourselves in their shoes, and we accept their truth. The other E is encourage. We need to encourage our youth as often as possible from a sincere place. And then the last E is just empower them. Give them the power to one, make decisions. Give them the power to not to not just think, but think critically and think strategically. So if you can implement those four E's at all time and you do it with intention, but you pay attention, mm. you'll have a better opportunity with connecting with any young person. And so uh, that's my politically correct answer. But my real <laughs> answer is I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Now, I want to pivot here just for a minute because you're in a space where you're motivating people, you're in a space where you can be used as a form of inspiration. And right now, we're we're in a historical time. Like right. we were saying before we started, everything that's going on right now. So with COVID, the social unrest, the White House in shambles, um, 
what's your take on all of that? Like, hear about these things and deal with these things and then go into spaces with young people yeah. and have to, I'm not sure if they ask you about it or talk about it, but how do you maneuver with all this stuff going on in society? So great question. Um, and you, you killing it with the questions too, man. I, I, I've been on your end for so long, right? And I've been on this end and I just want to tell you, you're a master at what you do. I've been wanting to tell you that, but I wanted to wait for the right opportunity. You're killing it, bro. Um, here's what it is. How I, like, the emotions that I have with everything going on is frustration. Like that is my number one emotion that continues to arise every moment, second minute of my day. Frustration from everything you mentioned, I'm highly frustrated. Here's what makes me different than most people. I had to redefine the feeling that comes with that emotion of frustration. So the old me who was frustrated, the old me would be looking at, Everybody upset, angry, ready to take somebody's head off, right? Anger would probably be my number one motivating factor because when I was younger and I was frustrated, I would go into like extreme rage. You dig what I'm saying? And so I was angry. So up until I made a conscious decision to change my feeling, the only when I got frustrated, the only thing I could default to was what I knew. Mm. What I defined, right, as, as my feeling to, to that emotion of frustration. So now when I thought about it, I was like, I'm okay with having the emotion of frustration, but I don't think I'm at my best level when I'm angry. Like for some people, and, and here goes the self-awareness, right? Some people are, anger can motivate them. What I've mm. learned about me is anger does nothing but hinder me. And so, mm. I, so, so what can I do with, oh, I can, I can define it a new way. And I begin to define my frustration as motivation. So I'm like, what can I do now with the frustration, not only how can I motivate myself, but how can I motivate others, one, to change their perspective, and two, stop talking about it so much and give it so much energy to that thing and focus on something else. Here's my belief. We can only control what we can control. Like all those things that you mentioned, all these things that I deal with every day, the majority of those things, if I really wanted to be honest with myself, I don't physically have the control to change any of it. What I can do is change my sphere of influence. What I can do is change my household. What I can do is change my mindset and my heart. So I determined that I'm going to control what I can control. Things are going to happen to me from the election, from the pandemic to social injustice. Like those things are going to happen. It's up to me how I respond to those things. You mm -hmm. get what I'm saying? And, and so for me to stay at my best level, my best level, I have to make sure that I turn that frustration to motivation. Do I do it all the time? No. But more times than not, I'm very successful at it. And so that's what I end up imparting into my kids, into my wife, into my siblings, into my aunties, my uncles. And because I'm imparting it to them, they begin to impart it into their sphere of influence. And that's for go. me. That's how stuff changed, my man. You know what I mean? And again, this is just how I do it. Mm -hmm. So Yes, you, got, you have to start with you, everything you're saying is perfect, brother. You have to start with you. You have to start from within. And people, I tell people all the time on my show, when they, people ask me to talk about certain topics, right? Yeah. So they say, hey, what's up with Biden? What's up with Trump? I'm, I'm seeing them argue about that. They jump into my man Q for what he trying to do. Right. And I say, yes, we should be aware Facts. of all of these things and get as much information as you feel you need to Facts. come with a, to, to come up with a conclusion however how your household do it come on can you can your son read come on why he why he got on a 150 dollar pair of shoes and his nose still snotty 
So, okay, we can get to all that. But first, let's turn it back to our families. Yes. And in, in the people that we affect every day. Every I tell day. black men all the time, you want to be a revolutionary? Look after your kids. Let's go. Care, care, Let's about, go. care about your family. Come There's on. levels to everything. But the first level is your house, family. I liken it to this. I think a house is like a small country, right? Mm. It has its own rules. It has its own determining factors. Yeah. It has a matriarch. It has a bake outside. You walk into somebody's house, it's gonna smell. It, it ain't gonna smell like your house. The feel ain't gonna be like your house. Yeah. It's their own little country. So you want to affect change. You want to affect the world. Make your country the best country it can be. Because when they leave the house, all they is when they leave the house is what they is in the house. When I see kids in the store and they can't sit still or they're running around with their shoes untied, right. I see the frustration in the parents' face. But really what they're saying is, this is something we do in the house. You're supposed to be doing this outside. Right. That's not how it works. Right. The house is the training ground, my man. So whatever they learn in that house, they're going to take it outside. Now, if you embarrassed, that's your fault as a parent. Facts. You need to, man, quick story. When I was 22, 20, uh, 23 years old, I had four sons, mm. two different women, four sons. I'm in an apartment with my homeboy. I say, you know what? I'm not going to be in a relationship with these women. I got to take these kids to my house, right? I'm yeah. thinking I'm being a man. Man, was this hard? I got, think about this, four boys under 10 years old. So you, do you hear me? So I got to feed them. I got a bedtime. I got to do homework. I got to take them baths, right? So at first, everybody's running around. They running over me, dog. Yeah. I'm like, sit down. Come here. Yeah. Look, I had to, and I tell this story, but this is real. Now, now I can talk about it in hindsight. I would lock the bathroom door and get on my knees and pray. <laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> Somebody. I feel, it. I feel it. Somebody help me. You know what I mean? But over time, I realized, how can I do this? I said, ah, I got to be stern and keep my word. And mean what I say. So in this house, you ain't running around. Yeah. You no, you sit right there or uh, else. And it got to the point I go to the supermarket, four sons, nobody touching nothing. Mm. Nobody running, nobody touching nothing. People asking me, what did you do? Nothing. Our house is like a battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> I, right. I, I I treat my house like a small country. You feel me? Right. So next next question I have for you. You got a young man from our community, 12, 13, 14 years old, house kind of dysfunctional. Let's say he can't necessarily depend on the older people around him to guide him. What are some of the keys to him being successful, you think? What are some of the keys to him um, realizing who he needs to be for his future family? How would you help him? Uh, the first thing that I would do is connect with that household or wherever he's going, right? Because here's the reality. I can give as much as I can give, but if you got to go back into an unstable environment, mm. then all that I'm giving you might be great, but all that I'm giving you might not be sufficient for where you're going. So mm. I, need to go into, I need to go to the source and I need to sit down with the source and have real courageous conversations about, hey, this is what I'm about to do and help this young man in. But at the same time, we need to be talking about how you're going to help yourself and or how I'm going to help you or I refer you to somebody to get that help because it's going to be for not if I give him all the game in the world and every day he comes back to you, he, he everything he just had 
is out the door and now he's inundated with everything that you're giving. So the first thing I'm doing, I'm always tapping in with the family first. Like that's what I'm mm. doing off top. The second thing I'm doing, I'm going directly to what lights that young man up, what brings him joy, what he's passionate about. And I don't care what it is, right? It, it could be shooting dice. It could be smoking weed. It could be uh, playing ball. I, I just need to know what like, like what, what wakes you up in the morning and what keep you up at night? Because if I can figure that out, I'm good enough to connect dots with you. I'm good enough to connect your passion and the thing that you that fires you up to finding some way to make it into your purpose, right? And so I wanna I wanna connect at a high level with this young man at the core of what fires him up. The next thing is we just gonna run down a 10-step process of let's talk about your attitude, let's talk about your motivation, let's talk about your leadership, your organizational skills, let's talk about the teamwork. Let's talk about these things that you can actually control your effort, right? What type of effort are you giving to becoming the best you that you want to be? Oh, you don't even know what that looks like? Well, let's start dreaming. Mm. Let's start dreaming about what the best version of you looks like. Because I can tell you what I think it should be. Your parents can tell you what they think it should be. But at the end of the day, at some point, you're going to have to make decisions for yourself. So first, let's dream about what that looks like. Then after we dream it, let's define it. Right. Let's take that dream, break it right. down to a definition. After we define it, now let's design it. That's where the goals, mm. are. that's where the tasks come in. Here's what I tell people. Goal setting is really just lifestyle design. That's all it is. You designing how you want your life to be by the goals that you set. Right. So we dream it. We define it. We design it. And then we decide. We make a decision. We say, this is what we came to. Are we going to do it? Or are we not? My hope is that we will because we went through this process. And after you say yes. Then the last part is just do. Go and do it. Mm. Go and do it. Stop talking about it. Be about it. Because in your doing, you'll actually start becoming. Right. So if you have a, a, a five year tenure of who you see yourself becoming, I'm going to say, OK, we see that. But let's start leaning into that right now. Mm. Let's start being right now. Once we start being, the doing comes automatically. Doing is about behavior modification. Being mm. is about heart transformation. I don't even have to mm. think about it. I don't have to think about caring about my kids. What? I don't have to think about that. That that is a natural thing for me. Why? Because I've become the person that cares about his kids. I don't have to think about taking care of my wife. I did at one point, but now I don't have to think about that. That's just naturally who I've become. And so that's a little bit of the process of what I would take young kings through. Um, I've seen it work time and time again. Obviously, there needs to be some tweaks and, and adjustments based on the customer, the customization and the, the natural bent of each one of those young kings. But you take them. I take them through that process. I'm usually getting phenomenal, amazing results. And it's funny you say that the first thing you said, I wasn't expecting you to say that. But that was real because um, I was I, I done a story recently about how a nine-year-old girl was killed in the Del Paso Heights area. Mm, okay. Tragedy, right? It was yeah. a drive-by shooting. Nine-year-old was shot and killed. Six-year-old was hit. Another lady, just a travesty, right? Yeah. And I'm reading an article about how Del Paso Heights is going to attempt to create uh, uh, community centers and things for the kids to do, right? Yeah. I'm on board with this. Anything yeah. the system can do to assist us, I'm on board with it. But I was thinking in my mind, and I said this on my show, yeah, a kid needs a community center. They need somewhere to go. But after they're done with the community center, after they're done with the homework, they got to go back to that house. Facts. So we need to go to whoever in that house, whoever leading them in that house, and we need to work with them. There we need go. to figure out why they own what they own. If we could change them, 
the kids gonna be easy. Come you know on. what I mean? You, you don't send your kids to school for the teacher to parent them. Come on. They got 20, they, they got 20, 25 students. It's your job to be at home and to get involved with that. You know what I mean? So right. you hit that right on the nose, brother. Now and, and the crazy thing is, you know, for, for me and you, maybe if it's been that way, or if we we learned it along the way, like for, for us, this might that might be common sense, my man. You know what I'm saying? Like talk to the head. And then everything else follows, right? <laughs> but here's the reality. Common sense don't always equal common practice. Mm. Like, just because somebody got common sense don't mean that they're practicing that common sense. Here's what a mentor told me. He said, when common sense meets common practice, mastery takes place. That's why mm. I can say, that's why I can say with conviction, I don't have to think about worrying about how to take care of my kids. Or Now, are, are my kids going to end up being kids? Yes, 100%. But what I do know is that I've invested so much into them that they're not going to be able to stray away too far without hearing dad and knowing dad's standards for their life and then having to make a decision on, am I going to go against the grain of who I know I'm destined to be, to be who I want to be in the moment, or am I going to stay the course? That's going to be their decision. But I know what I've invested in them already. Definitely, definitely. Now, my last question, brother, and it's been a great interview. I figured you would, you would bring the heat the way you've been doing now. Last question. My, the, the main portion of my platform, Melanated Fathers of America, my website, MelanatedFathers.com. On the website, I try to reach young fathers thinking about me being that 23-year-old black man, yeah. four kids. I'm looking at how I didn't structure things the way I felt I needed to. So I use my website as a platform to bring up to bring awareness like self-awareness and empower because I believe, similar to what you believe, if you know yourself, if you know your uh, your history of your family, the history of who we have been in this country, that's going to help you be a more confident individual. Yeah. And that's for anybody, right? Yeah. So being a father of three the way that you have been, tell me, because I know exactly what my kids have taught me. Talk to me about what they have taught you throughout this process. Facts. Uh, that I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> 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 that, that sometimes I don't practice it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, hey, that's the number one. Like, real talk. They taught me that, Dad, you're the biggest hypocrite in the world, man. <laughs> and, and that's a hard pill to swallow being the man that I am. But it's real. Man. It's real. And, 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 and here's the thing. To be able to have real conversations around that with my kids is amazing, man. It's amazing. <laughs> to, for them to get the content of, of, of why dad even operates the way that he does. You dig know what I'm saying? And so they, they taught me that I'm a hypocrite. But one of the bigger things they taught me is that it's about connection and not perfection. Mm. It's about connection, not perfection. And what I mean by that is that when I first became a father, based on my upbringing and maybe my dad not being there as often, right? Even though when he was, it was amazing. Him not being there as often, I was always searching for a hero, somebody to come save me. Right. So mm. I was always in this mindset of searching for a hero. Where's my hero? Uh, knight in shining armor, cape coming down to swoop down and grab little Dwight and, and help me be the great person. I was always looking for a hero. And because I was blinded by the idea of what a hero looked like, I failed to realize in many moments that I had a guide in my grandfather the whole time. Mm. So I was looking for the hero, but I had the guide the entire time. So fast forward, I've noticed that even though my grandfather was the guide, he's ended up becoming my hero. Mm. My grandfather never tried to be perfect. My grand, like 
My grandfather was what you see is what you get. And this is what it is. But he was able to lead by example and guide me in ways that my man like ain't enough money to pay him back for, for what he's been able to do. So I had a guide. So going back, my kids taught me that it's not about being perfect, dad. It's not about being the hero. We don't need the hero, dad. We just need a guide. We need somebody mm -hmm. who's going to lead by example and guide us in the right direction, right? Blaze the trail for us, dad. Show us what we need. And then be so much of a guide that sometimes you let us blaze the trail and you just get behind us and push us, dad. Like, that's what my grandfather was for me. So they taught me that we don't need you to be perfect because if you be perfect, you're going to set us up like you were set up. You're going to set us up to an expectation that we're going to fail all the time. Just connect with us at our deepest level. So they taught me that. The other thing they taught me, more so my daughter, she taught me how to be an effective communicator. Because mm -hmm. my daughter's going to challenge every single word that comes out of my mouth. Like, I can't slip up for nothing. Like, I can't, she can't come in here and say, right now, she can't walk in here and say, Dad, how long are you going to be on? And I say, five more minutes, baby. If five, oh, five minutes and one second come back, she come and she like, Dad, that's not what you said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my, my, my daughter holds me to not just accountability like the rest of my kids, but they teach me how to communicate at a high level because I'm, I'm communicating with the 18, 17 and 10 year old. If I can communicate with them at a high level and I can take complex and make it simple and digestible, I can communicate with anybody. So those mm -hmm. are pretty much the, the main things that my kids have personally taught me. So. Definitely, definitely. Well, look, man, I want to thank you so much, brother, for coming on the show. We're going to have to do this again. Thanks. I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your wisdom. I knew you would be able to um, expound upon everything that you're doing with my listeners and make it make sense. I think that I'm I'm seeing your gift here, brother, to be able to take because life is hard. Life, like, is, hard. life is complex, but at times we need to simplify it. That's it. If we can simplify it and follow that path. Anybody can do it. And, and, and as you can see, at the end of the day, it's not even about your race. It's not, not even about your background. Not at all. We all got the same wants, the same needs, the same, you know what I mean? We all go through the same stuff, brother. My G, it's about your effort and your willingness. Are you willing to do what needs to be done to get the job done? Period. Like, what kind of effort are you going to bring to this situation? That's what it comes down to. And the, and the, and the, the dope thing about, you know, uh, what you just said is that, Yes, I'm a black man. I'm a black father. One of the dopest things that I love to do is not necessarily prove other people wrong, but prove myself right. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like proving myself right. That's what I lead from. And so when I'm able to go into these schools or these juvenile halls and stand firm in who I am as a black man, but still be able to educate, uplift and show people a different a different way of life. It's crazy to me. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. I was talking to a gentleman the other day and he was like, Hey, is your real manhood? Is it for, you know, is it just for our black young men? And I was like, it's not. I said, it's for everybody. My man was upset, my G. He was mad at me. He was like, come on, you know what's going on in the world, uh, 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 young OG. Like, you know what's going on. And I was like, I get it. I said, kindly, let me break it down to you. There's going to be, I'll use one example. There's going to be a young, white, young, Hispanic, young, Asian young man that's going to grow up to be an adult one day. And that adult might end up being a police officer, a mm -hmm. judge, a mm -hmm. whatever, right? A high level executive. I need them to see me in a position mm. 
of power now, but still be empathetic enough to love on them so that when they do continue to grow up, if they have no other reference, they have me. And there what is we that go. About? That's about legacy, my man. Like I yes, want sir. to come after me to benefit from me being who I am. And so, you know, that's why I do the work that I do. Piggybacking on the first thing that you said, like, I'm about reaching everybody. Do I have a do I have a, a soft spot and a specialty for those that look like me? 100 percent. But I'm never excluding him. I'm saying, come here, because y'all all need to get this game because my daughter's 10. If I'm connecting with 13 and 14 year olds, when they get 24, my daughter going to be 20. I need them to be able to treat my daughter right no matter <laughs> what she look like. Yeah. So, yeah. That's it. Yeah, so, you're right. I'm on a little tangent, but. No, yeah. it's all good, man. It's all good. Now, lastly, tell everybody how they connect with you. If they want to buy the book, they want to follow your work, how can they connect with you? Uh, melanatedfathers.com. I'm, I'm, my bad, my bad. I'll shout you out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does need to be on that web. We got to figure some way to get my stuff on your site, man. Um, yes, sir. You know yes, I mean? sir. DwightTaylorSR.com. D-W-I-G-H-T-T-A-Y-L-O-R-S-R.com. That's the easiest way you can connect with me if you're on Instagram at DwightTaylorSR, Twitter at DwightTaylorSR. But um, go to melanatedfathers.com. Way more better information than I got on mine. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for having me, bro. Like, I really was excited about coming on here and I'm gonna keep it solid. I get a lot of people reaching out to me about interviews. This was actually one that I was truly turned up about doing. You feel what I'm saying? Because bro, you've been putting in the work, you authentic, you giving people what we need and what we want. And so uh, I just want to say kudos to you. Keep doing what you're doing. And um, I'm looking to, I'm looking forward to coming back on. Definitely, definitely. Why? Well, thank you, brother. And I want to thank everybody for tuning into another episode of the Melanated Combo podcast. Like I said, we did it a little bit different today, but it's about being an inspiration with so much going on in the world, so much going on in social media. Always tell people, have fun, let your hair down, yeah. use that side of your brain. But you got to use the other side of your brain, too, family. You got to balance that out. You got to think. You got to think critically. You got to think about the future. You got to think about your legacy. You got to think about the things that are serious that at times our community didn't have the structure or the know-how to actually do. But it's 2020, family. We can. That's why I'm such a big proponent of history, because we need to learn about it so we don't repeat it, so we can learn how to get through this maze without excuses. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give you no excuses, but who needs to be accountable for what? We need to put that on the table. You feel me? So it's been another great episode of the Melanated Combo Podcast. I'd like to thank my brother Dwight Taylor Sear for coming on. It's been a great show, y'all. Peace.